0: Chapter 34 of Cousin Betty by Honoré de Balzac translated by James Waring this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by Bruce Perry chapter 34 On the following day Crevel was announced at the hour when all the family were together in the drawing-room just after breakfast Celestine flew to throw her arms round her father's neck, and behaved as if she had seen him only the day before, though in fact he had not called there for more than two years. "'Good morning, father,' said Victorin, offering his hand. "'Good morning, children,' said the pompous Crevel. "'Madame la baronne, I throw myself at your feet. Good heavens, how the children grow. They are pushing us off the perch. Grandpa,' they say, we want our turn in the sunshine madame la comtesse you are as lovely as ever he went on addressing hortense aha and here is the best of good money cousin betty the wise virgin why you are really very comfortable here said he after scattering these greetings with a cackle of loud laughter that hardly moved the rubicund muscles of his broad face he looked at his daughter with some contempt my dear celestine i will make you a present of all my furniture out of the rue des saussées it will just do here your drawing-room wants furnishing up ha ah, there is that little rogue wenceslas well and are we very good children i wonder you must have pretty manners you know to make up for those who have none said lisbeth that sarcasm my dear lisbeth has lost its sting i am going my dear children to put an end to the false position in which i have so long been placed i have come like a good father to announce my approaching marriage without any circumlocution you have a perfect right to marry said victorin and for my part i give you back the promise you made me when you gave me the hand of my dear celestine what promise said crevel not to marry replied the lawyer. You will do me the justice to allow that I did not ask you to pledge yourself, that you gave your word quite voluntarily and in spite of my desire, for I pointed out to you at the time that you were unwise to bind yourself." "'Yes, I do remember, my dear fellow,' said Crevel, ashamed of himself. "'But, on my honour, if you will but live with Madame Crevel, my children, you will find no reason to repent. Your good feeling touches me, Victorin, and you will find that generosity to me is not unrewarded. Come, by the poker, welcome your stepmother, and come to the wedding." "'But you have not told us the lady's name, papa,' said Celestine." "'Why, it is an open secret,' replied Crevel. "'Do not let us play at guess who can. Lisbeth must have told you.' my dear monsieur crevel replied lisbeth there are certain names we never utter here well then it is madame marneffe monsieur crevel said the lawyer very sternly neither my wife nor i can be present at that marriage not out of interest for i spoke in all sincerity just now yes i am most happy to think that you may find happiness in this union but I act on considerations of honor and good feeling, which you must understand, and which I cannot speak of here, as they reopen wounds still ready to bleed." The baroness telegraphed a signal to Hortense, who tucked her little one under her arm, saying, "'Come, Wenceslas, and have your bath. Good-bye, monsieur Crevel.' The baroness also bowed to Crevel without a word and crevel could not help smiling at the child's astonishment when threatened with this impromptu tubbing you monsieur said victorin when he found himself alone with lisbeth his wife and his father-in-law are about to marry a woman loaded with the spoils of my father it was she who in cold blood brought him down to such depths a woman who is the son-in-law's mistress after ruining the father-in-law who is the cause of constant grief to my sister and you fancy that i shall seem to sanction your madness by my presence i deeply pity you dear monsieur crevel you have no family feeling you do not understand the unity of the honor which binds the members of it together there is no arguing with passion as i have too much reason to know the slaves of their passions are as deaf as they are blind your daughter celestine has too strong a sense of her duty to proffer a word of reproach that would indeed be a pretty thing cried crevel trying to cut short this harangue celestine would not be my wife if she made the slightest remonstrance the lawyer went on but i at least may try to stop you before you step over the precipice especially after giving you ample proof of my disinterestedness it is not your fortune it is you that i care about nay to make it quite plain to you i may add if it were only to set your mind at ease with regard to your marriage contract that i am now in a position which leaves me with nothing to wish for thanks to me exclaimed corvel whose face was purple thanks to celestine's fortune replied victorin and if you regret having given to your daughter as a present from yourself a sum which is not half what her mother left her, I can only say that we are prepared to give it back. And do you not know, my respected son-in-law, said Crevel, striking an attitude, that under the shelter of my name, Madame Marneffe is not called upon to answer for her conduct excepting as my wife, as Madame Crevel? That is no doubt quite the correct thing, said the lawyer very generous so far as the affections are concerned and the vagaries of passion but i know of no name nor law nor title that can shelter the theft of three hundred thousand francs so meanly wrung from my father i tell you plainly my dear father-in-law your future wife is unworthy of you she is false to you and is madly in love with my brother-in-law steinbach whose debts she had paid it is i who paid them very good said hulot i am glad for count steinbock's sake he may some day repay the money but he is loved much loved and often loved cried crevel whose face showed his utter bewilderment it is cowardly and dirty and mean and cheap to calumniate a woman when a man says such things monsieur he must bring proof i will bring proof i shall expect it by the day after to-morrow my dear monsieur crevel i shall be able to tell you the day the hour the very minute when i can expose the horrible depravity of your future wife very well i shall be delighted said crevel who had recovered himself good-bye my children for the present good-bye lisbeth see him out lisbeth said celestine in an undertone and is this the way you take yourself off cried lisbeth to crevel "Ah, aha said crevel my son-in-law is too clever by half he is getting on the courts and the chamber judicial trickery and political dodges are making a man of him with a vengeance so he knows i am to be married on wednesday and on a sunday my gentleman proposes to fix the hour within three days when he can prove that my wife is unworthy of me that is a good story well i am going back to sign the contract come with me lisbeth yes come they will never know i meant to have left celestine forty thousand francs a year but hulot has just behaved in a way to alienate my affection forever give me ten minutes pere crevel wait for me in your carriage at the gate i will make some excuse for going out very well all right my dears said lisbeth who found all the family reassembled in the drawing-room I am going with Crevel. The marriage contract is to be signed this afternoon, and I shall hear what he has settled. It will probably be my last visit to that woman. Your father is furious. He will disinherit you.' "'His vanity will prevent that,' said the son-in-law. He was bent on owning the estate of Presle, and he will keep it, I know him. Even if he were to have children, Celestine would still have half of what he might leave, the law forbids his giving away all his fortune still these questions are nothing to me i am only thinking of our honor go then cousin and he pressed lisbeth's hand and listen carefully to the contract twenty minutes after lisbeth and crevel reached the house in the rue barbet where madame marneffe was awaiting in mild impatience the result of a step taken by her commands valerie had in the end fallen a prey to the absorbing love which once in her life masters a woman's heart wenceslas was its object and a failure as an artist he became in madame marneffe's hands a lover so perfect that he was to her what she had been to baron hulot valerie was holding a slipper in one hand and Steinbach clasped the other while her head rested on his shoulder the rambling conversation in which they had been engaged ever since crevel went out may be ticketed like certain lengthy literary efforts of our day all rights reserved for it cannot be reproduced this masterpiece of personal poetry naturally brought a regret to the artist's lips and he said not without some bitterness what a pity it is that i married for if i had but waited as lisbeth told me i might now have married you who but a pole would wish to make a wife of a devoted mistress cried valerie to change love into duty and pleasure into a bore i know you to be so fickle replied Steinbach. did i not hear you talking to lisbeth of that brazilian baron montes do you want to rid me of him It would be the only way to hinder his seeing you said the ex-sculptor Let me tell you my darling for I tell you everything said Valérie. I was saving him up for a husband The promises I have made to that man Oh long before I knew you said she in reply to a movement from Wenceslas And those promises of which he avails himself to plague me oblige me to get married almost secretly for if he should hear that i am marrying crevel he is the sort of man that that would kill me oh as to that said steinbock with a scornful expression which conveyed that such a danger was small indeed for a woman beloved by a pole and in the matter of valor there is no brag or bravado in a pole so thoroughly and seriously brave are they all and that idiot crevel she went on who wants to make a great display and indulge his taste for inexpensive magnificence in honor of the wedding places me in difficulties from which i see no escape could valerie confess to this man whom she adored that since the discomfiture of baron hulot this baron henri Montes had inherited the privilege of calling on her at all hours of the day or night and that notwithstanding her cleverness she was still puzzled to find a cause of quarrel in which the brazilian might seem to be solely in the wrong she knew the baron's almost savage temper not unlike lisbeth's too well not to quake as she thought of this othello of rio de janeiro as the carriage drove up steinbach released valerie for his arm was round her waist and took up a newspaper in which she was found absorbed valerie was stitching with elaborate care at the slippers she was working for crevel how they slander her whispered lisbeth to crevel pointing to this picture as they opened the door look at her hair not in the least tumbled to hear victorin you might have expected to find two turtle doves in a nest my dear lisbeth cried crevel in his favorite position you see that to turn lucretia into aspasia you have only to inspire a passion and have i not always told you said lisbeth that women like a burly profligate like you and she would be most ungrateful too said crevel for as to the money i have spent here grandot and i alone can tell and he waved a hand at the staircase in decorating this house which crevel regarded as his own grandot had tried to compete with claretti in whose hands the duc d'herouville had placed josepha's villa but crevel incapable of understanding art had like all sordid souls wanted to spend a certain sum fixed beforehand grandot fettered by a contract had found it impossible to embody his architectural dream the difference between josepha's house and that in the rue barbet was just that between the individual stamp on things and commonness. The objects you admired at Crevels were to be bought in any shop. These two types of luxury are divided by the river million. A mirror, if unique, is worth six thousand francs. A mirror designed by a manufacturer who turns them out by the dozen costs five hundred. A genuine lustre by Boule will sell at a public auction for three thousand francs. The same thing reproduced by casting may be made for a thousand or twelve hundred. One is archaeologically what a picture by Raphael is in painting; the other is a copy. At what would you value a copy of a Raphael? Thus Crevel's mansion was a splendid example of the luxury of idiots while josepha's was a perfect model of an artist's home war is declared said crevel going up to madame marneffe she rang the bell go and find monsieur berthier said she to the manservant and do not return without him if you had succeeded said she embracing crevel we would have postponed our happiness my dear daddy and have given a really splendid entertainment but when a whole family is set against a match, my dear, decency requires that the wedding shall be a quiet one, especially when the lady is a widow. On the contrary, I intend to make a display of magnificence a la Louis the Fourteenth, said Crevel, who of late had held the eighteenth century rather cheap. I have ordered new carriages. There is one for Monsieur and one for Madame two neat coupes and a chaise a handsome traveling carriage with a splendid hammer-cloth on springs that tremble like Madame hulot oho you intend then you have ceased to be my lamb no no my friend you will do what i intend we will sign the contract quietly just ourselves this afternoon then on wednesday we will be regularly married really married in mufti as my poor mother would have said we will walk to church plainly dressed and have only a low mass our witnesses are stidmann Steinbach, vignon and massol all wide awake men who will be at the mairie by chance and who will so far sacrifice themselves as to attend mass your colleague will perform the civil marriage for once in a way as early as half past nine Mass is at ten, we shall be home to breakfast by half-past eleven. I have promised our guests that we will sit at table till the evening. There will be bixiou, your old official chum du Lousteau, Vernisset, Leon de Lora, Vernou, all the wittiest men in Paris, who will not know that we are married. We will play them a little trick. We will get just a little tipsy, and Lisbeth must join us. I want her to study matrimony shall make love to her and and enlighten her darkness for two hours madame marneffe went on talking nonsense and crevel made this judicious reflection how can so light-hearted a creature be utterly depraved feather-brained yes but wicked nonsense well and what did the young people say about me said valerie to crevel at a moment when he sat down by her on the sofa all sorts of horrors they will have it that you have a criminal passion for wenceslas you who are virtue itself i love him i should think so my little wenceslas cried valerie calling the artist to her taking his face in her hands and kissing his forehead a poor boy with no fortune and no one to depend on cast off by a carroty giraffe what do you expect crevel wenceslas is my poet and I love him as if he were my own child, and make no secret of it. Bah! Your virtuous women see evil everywhere and in everything. Bless me, could they not sit by a man without doing wrong? I am a spoiled child who has had all it ever wanted, and bonbons no longer excite me. Poor things, I am sorry for them. And who slandered me so? Victorin, said Crevel then why did you not stop his mouth the odious legal macaw with the story of the two hundred thousand francs and his mamma oh the baroness had fled said lisbeth they had better take care lisbeth said madame marneffe with a frown either they will receive me and do it handsomely and come to their stepmother's house all the party or i will see them in lower depths than the baron has reached and you may tell them i said so at last i shall turn nasty on my honour i believe that evil is the scythe with which to cut down the good at three o'clock monsieur Bertier, cardot's successor read the marriage contract after a short conference with crevel for some of the articles were made conditional on the action taken by monsieur and madame victorin hulot crevel settled on his wife a fortune consisting in the first place of forty thousand francs in dividends on specified securities secondly of the house and all its contents and thirdly of three million francs not invested he also assigned to his wife every benefit allowed by law he left all the property free of duty and in the event of their dying without issue each devised to the survivor the whole of their property and real estate by this arrangement the fortune left to celestine and her husband was reduced to two millions of francs in capital if crevel and his second wife should have children celestine's share was limited to five hundred thousand francs as the life interest in the rest was to accrue to valerie this would be about the ninth part of his whole real and personal estate lisbeth returned to dine in the rue louis-le-grand Despair written on her face She explained and bewailed the terms of the marriage contract But found Celestine and her husband insensible to the disastrous news You have provoked your father my children Madame Marneffe swears that you shall receive monsieur Crevel's wife and go to her house said she Never said Victorin never said Celestine never said Hortense Lisbeth was possessed by the wish to crush the haughty attitude assumed by all the hulots She seems to have arms that she can turn against you she replied I do not know all about it, but I shall find out She spoke vaguely of some history of two hundred thousand francs in which Adeline is implicated The baroness fell gently backward on the sofa she was sitting on in a fit of hysterical sobbing Go there, go, my children," she cried. Receive the woman, Monsieur crevel is an infamous wretch; he deserves the worst punishment imaginable. Do as the woman desires you. she is a monster. she knows all. After gasping out these words with tears and sobs, Madame Hulot collected her strength to go to her room, leaning on her daughter and Celestine. What is the meaning of all this? cried Lisbeth, left alone with Victorin the lawyer stood rigid in very natural dismay and did not hear her what is the matter my dear victorin i am horrified said he and his face scowled darkly woe to anybody who hurts my mother i have no scruples then i would crush that woman like a viper if i could what does she attack my mother's life my mother's honor she said-but do not repeat it my dear victorin she said you should all fall lower even than your father and she scolded crevel roundly for not having shut your mouths with this secret that seems to be such a terror to adeline a doctor was sent for for the baroness was evidently worse he gave her a draught containing a large dose of opium and adeline having swallowed it fell into a deep sleep But the whole family were greatly alarmed early next morning victorin went out and on his way to the courts called at the prefecture of the police where he begged vautrin the head of the detective department to send him madame de saint-esteve we are forbidden monsieur to meddle in your affairs but madame de saint-esteve is in business and will attend to your orders replied this famous police officer on his return home the unhappy lawyer was told that his mother's reason was in danger dr bianchon dr larabie and professor Angar had met in consultation and were prepared to apply heroic remedies to hinder the rush of blood to the head at the moment when victorin was listening to dr bianchon who was giving him at some length his reasons for hoping that the crisis might be got over the manservant announced that a client madame de saint-esteve was waiting to see him victorin left bianchon in the middle of a sentence and flew downstairs like a madman is there any hereditary lunacy in the family said bianchon addressing larabie the doctors departed leaving a hospital attendant instructed by them to watch madame hulot a whole life of virtue was the only sentence the sufferer had spoken since the attack lisbeth never left adeline's bedside she sat up all night and was much admired by the two younger women well my dear madame de saint-esteve said victorin showing the dreadful old woman into his study and carefully shutting the doors how are we getting on aha my dear friend said she, looking at Victorin with cold irony. So you have thought things over? Have you done anything? Will you pay 50,000 francs? Yes, replied Victorin, for we must get on. Do you know that by one single phrase that woman has endangered my mother's life and reason? So, I say, get on. We have got on, replied the old woman. Well, cried victorin with a gulp well you do not cry off the expenses on the contrary they run up to twenty-three thousand francs already victorin looked helplessly at the woman well could we hoodwink you you one of the shining lights of the law said she for that sum we have secured a maid's conscience and a picture by raphael it is not dear Hulot, still bewildered, sat with wide-open eyes. well, then, his visitor went on. We have purchased the honesty of Mademoiselle Ren Toussard, a damsel from whom Madame Marneffe has no secrets. I understand, but if you shy, say so. I will play blindfold. He replied, My mother has told me that that couple deserves the worst torments the rack is out of date said the old woman you answer for the result leave it all to me said the woman your vengeance is simmering she looked at the clock it was six your avenger is dressing the fires are lighted at the rocher de cancale the horses are pawing the ground my irons are getting hot oh i know your madame marneffe by heart everything is ready and there are some boluses in the rat-trap i will tell you to-morrow morning if the mouse is poisoned i believe she will be good evening my son good-bye madame do you know english yes well my son thou shalt be king that is to say you shall come into your inheritance said the dreadful old witch foreseen by shakespeare and who seemed to know her shakespeare she left hulot amazed at the door of his study the consultation is for tomorrow said she with the gracious air of a regular client she saw two persons coming and wished to pass in their eyes a pinchbeck countess what impudence thought hulot bowing to his pretended client end of chapter 34